Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Well Marriage Podcast. This is episode number 81. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Adam and Caitlin. What's up? Hello. And today we have a special guest. Um, Tracy Megumi is a world-class artist. As an avid, avid ocean conservationist, Tracy uses her creative outlets to advocate for the health of the oceans. Originally starting Kohola Kai Creative in 2015, Tracy has since moved her artwork and passion under the name Tracy Megumi Art. She has worked as an eco tour guide and a children's art mentor in Southern California. Tracy has certainly educated at all levels. Um, Her art brings up marine issues such as climate change, shark finning, and dolphin captures for the captivity um, industry. And we are so excited to talk to her today. There we go. Wow, what an intro. How'd I do? How'd I do? Was it good? Was it well written? Thank you. Yeah, I felt like that made me sound overqualified. (laughs) No, you're plenty qualified. Yeah, plenty qualified. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to talk to you today. So kind of how we usually start out with most folks is like, how did you get started in this, all of this, the marine realm and art and things like that? Did they go hand in hand or was it two separate things that came together? So if you want to tell us a little about that. Sure. Yeah. For me, it was kind of a all over the place journey. Like I've always had an interest in the ocean and particularly marine mammals. Um, I've been fortunate enough to grow up along the California coast so we had so much cool stuff here, kelp forests to snorkel in, all the whale watching, um, the camps on Catalina Island where they get you really immersed into marine biology stuff. Um, so I was really unfor- fortunate to experience that kind of stuff. Um, and then on the art side, my mom was a graphic designer and she used to do mm-hmm. everything by hand. So I think I kind of just absorbed that from watching her and like just seeing how she did her stuff. Um, so it was just kind of two separate interests that I had for a long time and I didn't really marry them together until after college. Um, I didn't end up pursuing ocean stuff for marine biology in college because I was afraid that it wouldn't lead to a stable career. Um, so I ended up very, so you chose to be an artist instead? Totally valid. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at the time I didn't really know anything. So I just felt like, like majoring in business would be lead to a more stable career, which is what I ended up doing. But I worked as a bookkeeper for a few years and I absolutely hated it. I could not stand being at a desk all day. Um, So that led me to look into different things and I came across ACS or the American Cetacean Society and getting involved there and taking the naturalist course with them opened a lot of doors for me. And that led to me getting a job at a whale watching place down in Dana Point. Um, And then that kind of also kicked off or reignited my interest in the ocean and my hobby is drawing. And then I kind of just brought the two together um, and started creating ocean art. So that was kind of my journey. Nice. Beautiful. So you chose two unstable industries, art and- (laughs) And brought them together, (laughs) but to create a stable one. Exactly. It all worked out. That's funny. And if if you're a Patreon listener and you have access to the video, you can see some of Tracy's background. It's beautiful. Um, It's every. Don't worry. (laughs) Your whole wall. It's awesome. Nice. So 
when you were working on the whale watch boats you were working primarily as naturalists and then um did you sort of do the digital sales of art like at the same time or like down the road because you have like a on your website and like etsy stuff or do you not do the etsy stuff anymore um, I'm not as active on Etsy. I kind of migrated everything to my own website after a while. Um, but back when I worked for the whale watching company, I was kind of half in the office doing like check-ins and um, reservations and then half on the boats um, crewing and sometimes covering for the photographer, which was interesting. When I find <laughs> that work at places like that, you end up wearing like a lot of different hats which can Absolutely, be a little yeah. bit overwhelming, but it exposes you to a lot of different things too. So I thought that was really cool. Definitely. Nice. You, you kind of took like the route that we always tell people, you know, it's just like get involved however you can. Like, obviously you got the ACS and you got a job on a whale watch boat. So people always ask us, you know, how do you get involved? And it's like, you can start at ACS or you can start volunteering anywhere. You know, it's just, there's a whole different, whole huge amount of different, uh, paths to take into the industry so yeah for sure or get a job in the office and then work your way or exactly. your allow be allowed to go on your days off on the boat you know and not have to pay for exactly. it because you work there it could be a good trade-off too mm -hmm. yeah totally and then you mentioned before we started talking not for the episode that you're doing an art camp is that what you were doing today yeah, so I work as an assistant art teacher at um, a locally owned art studio here in Orange County. And we do kids camps for like elementary school age kids. And we do a variety of subjects and mediums. Um, but sometimes we'll have like an ocean theme day and I get to pull out my naturalist hat and do like a little yes. presentation. But the kids get really excited about like when we talk about whale poop and help make helps make oxygen and stuff like that. <laughs> so, I find that working with kids is really fun because they, they're so excited to like learn and experience things. So yeah. So is that what you do like kind of full-time day-to-day right now is work with the art gallery and do like teaching people art or is that kind of like I don't know. It's, I guess one of the many things you do day to day. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's um, kind of like a side gig. Um, I work for, I think my main gig is working for um, a nonprofit dolphin project. Then I do my artwork and various projects and commissions and stuff and then teach on the side. So it's kind of a mix of a lot of things. And I noticed awesome. that you, you also have been, I've seen a few pictures of you working with Jessica Rome. Have you been working on those uh, school groups? Yeah, I volunteer sometimes to do um, enhanced like field trip, whale watch trips. Those are oh, cool. a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I, so before I moved, <laughs> I think the first time, uh, <laughs> three, um, I, was, I was working on the Western Pride some days. And they originally were using the Western Pride. I don't. Are they still using that boat? Do you know? Uh, I think they're using sometimes. I think they use it for they, something. They were used. They were originally using the Western Pride for that extended whale watch um, field trip thing, and it was cool because you do like the plankton toe. Then you get a look at all the stuff under the microscope. Um, then they put that like. I don't know if they're using a GoPro now, but they had this like fish that was in a cage that they would drop down to the bottom. And then you could look at like 
crabs and octopus and like or whatever was down there on the bottom is pretty cool so oh. Yeah, we yeah. Was that was that like the Crystal Cove Alliance thing? Yeah, Crystal Cove Alliance. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, cool. So is that what you're helping them with? Um, not the Crystal Cove ones, but just general like school groups that go out. Um, okay, we do like cool. a painting show, and they have like a little um observer booklet that they fill out along the trip. Awesome. Fun. So you mentioned Dolphin Project as like one of your main gigs. Um, I think quite a few of our listeners are probably aware of Dolphin Project, but if you want to just maybe introduce that first, and then if you're um, able to talk a little bit about what you do for them, that would be really cool to hear about. Sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so for those that are not familiar, Dolphin Project is a nonprofit organization that's focused on the protection of dolphins, um, mainly as uh, the captivity industry as a main threat for them. Um, and one of the things that I work on with them is the whole Tai Chi side of things, which I think many people have probably heard of The Cove or even seen the film. Um, but for those that have not seen the film, it's basically about a seasonal yearly hunt of dolphins that happens in Japan. And although they do kill some of the, the dolphins that they take there, it's primarily fueled by the captive trade because um, the dolphins that they live capture sell for huge, huge amounts of money and end up kind of funding the entire operation. Um, so I originally got involved with Dolphin Project volunteering as a person that documents these hunts and kind of collects data of how many dolphins were taken on certain days or what went down on certain days. Um, and it's a really, really complicated thing. I could probably write a book on everything. That should, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of don't even know where to start talking about this. Um, there's a lot of cultural differences that are important to keep in mind, I think, with this. Um, the Cove was a huge, huge hit in the US and like in Western countries. because so I think people are generally more receptive to like wildlife threats or animal threats. Whereas in Japan, it's a little bit different. Um, just culturally, it's harder for people to understand that kind of thing, I think, because animals aren't viewed quite the same way over there a lot of the time. Um, but the good news is in recent years, a lot more Japanese organizations and activists have arose and want to be involved in protecting dolphins. Um, and it wasn't that way when the cove first came out. So that's a pretty uh, big step forward. Um, and I think captivity has also become illegal in certain places. Canada recently passed a major anti-captivity law a couple years ago. And then France also passed a really similar law pretty recently. Um, so although progress may not be happening as fast as many of us would like, there is progress being made, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah I think the small victories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, victories are important. And so you've been over there. Is there whale watch companies near, close to there? Yes, that's a really good question. There are a couple whale watching places that are like 15 minutes from the harbor where the hunters go out, but they shut down during the hunting season. 
for the six month hunting season, mm. which is interesting. Um, there are quite a few interesting whale watching places in Japan. Um, I don't know if we you talk guys about it all the time. Yeah, I want to go so bad. Chiritoko, <laughs> is it? Chiritoko. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Up in the northern islands, there's yeah. a really good place to go uh, whale watching for orcas. Um, and I don't think they know the ecotypes there, but they seem similar to residents and transients. Yeah, we definitely want to go. I mean, when world travel gets back to something that's safer and more close to what normal was, um, Japan is definitely high on the three of ours list for whale watching. Because like we, Slater and I have been following this one company out of Shiratoko for like three years and like sometimes he'll call me and be like did you see what they saw today we have it's to just, go it's just always <laughs> blue water and it's either sperm whales or killer whales like what <laughs> like literally every time they post it's either sperm whale or killer whale and then if not it's like they're looking at bears on the beach so it's like and the sea eagles those things are yeah. so cool it, are they yeah oh my gosh yeah they're I saw nuts. someone got a shot where an orca surfaced and the eagle is like about to fly over Damn. Imagine an eagle in a killer whale. Dude. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can get that in the Pacific yeah, Northwest Washington. too, but could, those sea yeah. eagles different. in Japan are gnarly. That's yeah, a different yeah. like level. It's like, okay, I've got we've got an albatross with killer whales, right? And that's pretty incredible too. But yeah, I mean those eagles in Japan are I mean, you're closer to where short-tailed albatross breed if you're going out in Japan. Because don't they breed in Japan somewhere? I think they do. Maybe. there's not very many of them left um but i think they breed somewhere off of japan anyways um so when you you started as a volunteer for dolphin project and you were taking data like in the field um i imagine that was quite hard yeah to watch it's it's hard emotionally physically and mentally like on all fronts it's quite yeah i uh, yeah, just be crying all the time waking up at 4 a.m. before the sun comes up and tracking how many boats go out and what happens minute by minute, hour by hour. Um, but I think what helps keep one sane when they're doing that is just having other volunteers with you that are very like-minded and passionate. Um, so I find that like when you're there, it's almost like you're in the twilight zone or something because it's, it's just such a different world. Um, but the lows are really low, but conversely, the highs are really high. So if like, um, uh, there's a good day and the hunters go, don't go out and we go out and do something fun, like something that would otherwise just be a little bit funny ends up being like really, really funny. <laughs> it's just a strange thing. Yeah. So what what is more of your role now, like a, a awareness or communication or like, are you still a standby person or how does that? work? Yeah, I'm still a volunteer um, to go to Taiji when the season's on and when travel's open. Um, but my day-to-day -day is more like administrative behind the scenes stuff for Dolphin Project. So it's a little bit of everything. More of the mundane things. Mundane. And then do you manage the social media or is it a, like a group of you that all take turns with the Oh, there's a couple of us that do the social media. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I have a question. Um, so as somebody, you know, of, of Japanese descent, um, like how, 
how do you view what's happening? Like, is it's a, like you said, it's a very tough cultural issue. And like mm-hmm. I myself, I'm I'm quarter Japanese. I'm not totally tied into the culture, but but I I get it. You know, I understand a nation growing up and and surviving on an island and and being able to survive off an island. And you know, whether people look at it from a fishing point of view, you know, Japan eats a lot of fish or, or a dolphin point of view, you know, I personally, I get it. Um, a lot of people on social media, when we post stuff about Taiji or, you know, what's happening, it's, it's a very complicated issue and people just turn straight to the Japanese people being bad. And I, and I don't agree with that whatsoever. So if you could talk to that a little bit, I think that would really help people's mindsets there. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought this up. So interesting like one interesting thing is when the cove first came out like i lived at the time i lived in idaho which is a very very conservative state very much Um, and like people like you said like people just went to japanese people are bad because they're doing this and like they couldn't see past that so i faced some nasty things being said to me um i'm sure Initially, I was kind of like against the cove. Like I didn't even want to watch it because of that negativity that I experienced. Um, but eventually, like I, especially when I got more involved with like whale watching and like kind of reigniting my interest in the ocean, I ended up watching it and being like, wow, this is really a really important issue that people need to know about. Um, so it is very nuanced. And I think that people need to realize that this Dolphin hunting is not something that's supported by the entire nation of Japan, and it's only like less than 50 people that make decisions on it and issue permits for it or participate in it. Um, And a lot of people within Japan don't even know about it just because the media is not really fair or centered there. It's very, very biased. And if they do talk about the hunts in media or like on the news there, it's usually in support of the hunters. Um, like, and going back to what, to what you said about like Japan being an island nation, they are very, they tend to be very resistant to outsiders telling them what to do. Absolutely. I think there's also yes. a big thing behind um, how the cove was received in Japan. Yeah, I, 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 it's just it's just a such a tough thing you know because we all we all love whales we all love dolphins um but they're in in my eyes you know i couldn't imagine trying to survive island without living off the sea and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people just don't realize that um but anyways it's just a tough topic and a complicated issue and we've been wanting to talk about something like this for a while um but again it's just such a controversial topic that a lot of people either turn away from it or pick one side and are so heavily on that side. But right. I think, you know, at the end of the day with any issue, you need to be able to work together and hear people's point of views if you want to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always two ways to go about it. So definitely. definitely. Yeah. And it's nice to hear from someone who's like been there and experienced it and seen it from the inside. Um, so the people that issue the permitting, I don't, you may or may not know the answer to this question, but the people that issue the permitting for the dolphin hunting, is that also like the fisheries management or are those two separate entities that have to like talk to each other? I believe it's the Japan fisheries even agency. Okay. Either that or Wakayama prefecture, um, the governor there. 
because um, Taiji is within a prefecture. They're, they're divided by prefectures instead of, of states. Mm -hmm. So it would be like the prefectural office that issues those. Because my understanding is some of it is also like a, a fisheries competition motivation. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much that we could talk about with this. So <laughs> very helpful if you like narrow down certain topics. But yeah, there has been um, fishermen that claim dolphins are pests to what they're fishing for. Um, and in fact, I think before the Cove came out in the mid or early 2000s, some dolphin project members had a meeting with the fishermen or the, the dolphin hunters and they just straight up said it's pest control, like the hunting, uh, the slaughter of it. So that was quite um, shocking to hear. Alarming, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. To, like, especially like if you think about it, like imagine we called common dolphins pests, even though we're like so excited to be surrounded by them, you know? What? But fishermen do call sea lions pests. Yeah, we do. 100% so in the United States See, and, in and then Canada and we get and mad and it's just it's 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 a lack of education right like that's really what it comes down to it's like you can call dolphins pests all you want but grand scheme of things we're taking out way more fish than dolphin are, well, and know, we're taking days. their fish it's literally the <laughs> dolphins and sea lions fish like that it's their natural thing to go eat yeah, like, exactly so when you're mad at a sea lion for taking a fish off your hook it's like you're, that was his fish. Like you were actually <laughs> taking it from his rock, you know? Um, do you guys promote to go whale watching in Japan? Like, do you use that route ever of saying like, cause, okay. So if we mention like, we're going, um, we want to go whale watching in Japan or the Faroe Islands or places that hunt whales people or dolphins, always. people are always like, why would you, why would you support them and go to that country? But it's like, you need to support their ecotourism industry just because that then it benefits an alternate route. It's, it's an alternate. yeah that shows that they can make money from that instead of killing them um which that's the thing is i don't think it's all about money for them with the kills it's also a cultural thing and or a food captive, thing captive, captive, captive so industry so yeah it's tough yeah totally i think you nail, put <laughs> the nail right on Wait, what am I trying to say? Hit, hit the, the nail, nail on the head. Right on the head. Hit, the, hit the nail on the head, right? <laughs> Don't worry. I'm... <laughs> and saying that supporting ecotourism in these countries is so important because it shows them that it, there is a viable economic alternative to exploiting these animals. Um, so yeah, I really wish that there was more whale watching in the Taiji area just so like we could get more people to support that instead of support cap captivity. Yeah. Because Taiji is, there's a lot of, um, there's a high concentration of captive facilities near Taiji. Because wow. they're probably able to buy the dolphins so easily. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in Japan, yeah. as a side note, Japan, they're kind of neck and neck with China right now, but Japan has the highest number of captive dolphin facilities. I was gonna ask about that. Yeah, you have, you know, China, do you even know really how many? Roughly there are? Um, not off the top of my head, but it's a, I think it's a little less than a hundred. Wow. And you're saying in Japan? Small. Yeah. Dang. And so that could be like two or three dolphins in each one, right? Yeah, probably more than that. 
Wow. <laughs> That's way more than I thought there would be. Yeah. And I mean, and it's interesting because everybody right now is talking about China and and how China is becoming a booming captive industry and it's all they're getting their whales from Russia um, is what I've heard. And so that whole, you know, Russia or China is kind of feeding into Russians take of whales. And then mm-hmm. I don't know if Russia recently outlawed that or somebody recently outlawed it, taking it from the wild. But um, it's 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 starting to boom, which is interesting because like you look at the U.S., you know, and, and again, you know, we're a little bit ahead of those countries in terms of the captive tree. But, you know, we're starting to, to tick the number down there. You know, there's a lot of, in the Western Western civilization, you know, like like you said, Canada just kind of ruled out captive, um, the keeping of captive stations. And obviously nobody likes SeaWorld here anymore. And so it seems like we're heading in the right direction, but it, it just seems like they're a couple of years behind us. So hopefully at some point they'll be able to catch up and realize that it's probably not the best thing to do. At least from my mind, that's how I see the solution being solved. But I mean, we also started the mess a lot earlier, so I think well, that's what we I'm saying. Some you know, time like to we reckon. Were, exactly, <laughs> like we were starting in the we were starting stuff in the '60s, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just starting it now. So mm-hmm. it might be a little bit of a wait, but I hope that they can also be at the level that we're at. I'm not saying we're better or anything. It's just like we've just did it. We did it a long time ago. So yeah, I think. So with the Russia connection, I think a lot of it is because there's a big demand for orcas and that's like the only place that is taking them from the wild right now. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so you work with dolphin project, but you also work, or at least your work supports other groups, right? Not just, um, doing all the things for dolphin project. You had some things on your website about like shark finning and other hot ocean topics. (laughs) Yeah, so with my artwork, um, so way back when I first started as Koholakai Creative, I was a little bit more unfocused. I was like making jewelry and then like doing traditional artwork and just kind of all over the place. Um, But one thing that's that started back then that I've kept doing until now was donating a portion of what I make from selling art to various ocean focused nonprofits. Um, So I've shifted kind of more to just traditional artwork and ink artwork now, but I still donate part of like the proceeds on prints and stickers and stuff like that to various organizations. Um, And then one other thing that I do is collaborate with a local company, a local printing company called Boulevard Custom, and they specialize in printing on shoes like Vans and Converse. Um, so every now and then we'll do like a limited release of these shoes and then have one chosen nonprofit to donate a portion of the proceeds to. Um, so in doing that, like I hope to help support various causes. That's awesome. I love on your website that it lists like how much money you've given to the different causes that you've chosen to give to to date. Like, I think that's a really, I don't know, for me I, as a customer, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Like, look at where all the money went cool cool so um do you have a favorite species that you like to draw or illustrate or anything when you're working on art Hmm. that's a hard question (laughs) it's like asking if if at what's your favorite photograph photograph like yeah it's like depends on what it's doing probably humpback whales but (laughs) But if killer whales in the area, maybe killer whale. But then if a blue whale's there, yeah, killer whales are jumping <laughs> out of the sky. I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know. I think just anything cetacean, any type of cetacean, I, I really enjoy drawing. Here's a real good question. Are you more of a shark person or a cetacean person? Oh, I think that's obvious. Okay. Cetacean. Yeah. See, I feel like most people are cetaceans, but like, I know a couple of people are like, oh no, sharks are way better. And I'm like, what? I mean, they're all, they're all cool. They're all very important. I know. I used to have this uh, water bottle that had all of your stickers on it and it was cool. (laughs) I had a Rizzo, I had a shark tooth. And uh, I, I had a killer whale, but I, I lost this water bottle. I left it somewhere, and then this this guy lost the water bottle. It was crazy. Oh. It wasn't. It wasn't me. <laughs> he definitely. Oh I, I, same, I, I, I still have my water bottle with all of Tracy's stickers on it, so I'm just better than you, Slater. Well, how about this? I just ordered a bunch of Baskin Shark stickers. <laughs> Oh, like you. literally right before we started recording so if you got an order notification it was me <laughs> that's so funny when i saw a bas- when i saw basking sharks in 2019 we had like whatever three or four crew members aboard and in santa barbara and the, day, the next day i like bought like four of your stickers to oh, give them, yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it, okay. i really do love your work it's like it's so beautiful and i think it's it's modern as well Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think a lot of people like the black and white um, and the what is it the stippling the stippling I, it's just gorgeous and it and it's a really good representation of not only cetaceans but like their actual anatomy like I think it's very correct and it's it's just perfect. Thank you. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Yeah. So do you do you have any like formal training that's more towards like science illustration or is it just like you're all self taught and um, mostly self-taught. I mean, I studied, like, I took a few art classes in, like, high school and college, but mm-hmm. I never really, like, solely focused on pursuing art professionally. So it's Wow, that's incredible. How things played out. So you post videos every once in a while, of, like, your work in progress or, like, doing that stippling stuff on your Instagram. How long does it actually really take? It seems like it would take days to do. A long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it kind of varies. Like the larger ones, like a full body, like humpback whale or something, will take a couple days usually. Just because I can't sit still for like eight yeah. hours and do it all in one day. But I like to like do a little bit at a time and like mm-hmm. really look at it and see what do I need to make darker? What do I need to blend more? So I like to take it a little bit slow and just spread it out over a couple days. Nice. Do you ever do you ever get commissions that are like I don't know eleven by fourteen or decently sized that you have to do like a full humpback on and stipple it? Um, I usually just say like a certain size is my maximum size. Like it take you ten years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need, to, you need to get a tattoo machine and use that. Like and figure out how to use that to stipple. Oh man, <laughs> that's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> You have like three pens rubber banded together and just go for it. She's, she's so done it. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, so where can people find your work since we've been talking about your art? You have a website, you have Instagram. What are the, what's the new URL and, and those things? Sure. Um, so I think Instagram is like my main platform but I'm on there as Tracy Megumi Art 
And then my website is tracymigumiart.com and Tracy spelled with an IE. I think people send a default to a Y on that one. So Y or an EY. Yeah. We'll make sure to put it in our bios yeah. and captions and links and all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then so you do so you do some collaborative projects and things. Um, one with was called Boulevard Customs. Is that what it is? Is there any other collaborations that you do with your art or have done in the past? Um, I've done a couple different projects. I've collaborated with um, Nakawe Project a couple years ago to illustrate, like, to create an illustration for an article that they wrote. Mm -hmm. um, and then. Otherwise, I've just kind of donated my art, like certain pieces to be used on like a t-shirt for fundraising for different organizations and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always open to collaborations. I love meeting new people and contributing to projects and stuff. So I'm, my eyes are always out for those kind of things. Awesome. So some of your art pieces are like, highlighting um, ocean conservation issues, right? Like uh, things with sharks or uh, marine plastics, things like that. So I guess, I don't know if the, what the best way to word it is, but like how, for you, how do you see like art, science and conservation kind of intersect with your work and with like the platforms that you use? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I get what you're saying. So arts is a really interesting tool because it can convey like a message without having to use any words or having to make anyone read something or listen to something. Um, so I find it as a very powerful visual tool um, to convey a conservation message or to like show the anatomy of an animal. Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can utilize it. I kind of like to do a little bit of both like illustrating conservation issues like, for example, one is uh, highlighting the southern kill resident killer whales. And it's got like a black background and stippled killer whales with skeletons of salmon swimming through them. Um, so and that kind of illustrates how they're running out of salmon to eat. So there's that and then um, like I do that kind of thing for plastic pollution and have an animal swimming through plastic and stuff like that. And I find it that people kind of connect with conservation issues through art that way, if that absolutely. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the image right now, the killer whales and the, and the salmon, and it's just, it's visually stunning, but also at the same time, I think it, it hits the point. Again, it hits the nail right on the head. You know, <laughs> of, of... Yeah, because like people, I don't think people generally connect salmon and killer whales unless they know about the southern kill resident killer whales. Mm -hmm. So, like, my hope is that if someone just sees that and they're like, "Oh, why is there salmon?" and like, maybe they'll look into it further from that. Sure. And that's what's um, cool about. Sorry, that's what's cool about being able to draw and paint and stuff is that you can right? show something with your art that, like. You know how hard it would be to get a photo of like a killer whale with salmon, but you can explain it so much better with your art and, and in a really beautiful way as well. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I sort of see that as like a form of kind of like science communication in a way as well. Like you have to reach people 
in any mode possible. And some people connect better with photographs. Some people connect better with written articles, but some people connect a lot better with art. Maybe it's much more approachable for them. So I feel like people, you know, if we want to communicate science as a, as a whole, like we have to reach all these different modes for people to engage with, because you're not going to catch everybody with any one message. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. I find that art is kind of emotional too. And Mm -hmm. people, the general public doesn't really connect like facts right away. Like a lot of people need some sort of emotional connection to ignite the spark, if that makes sense. Yeah. You have to get them in their gut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, That's for sure. You could have, you could have an an important topic with the solar resident killer whales and, and the Chinook salmon, and you could, read a whole article about it and still be confused at the end or you can mm-hmm. look at an image and be like okay these things are starving it's not that hard you know but yeah it it's just it just depends on the person everybody's different and and people can sit down and read articles and really learn about it and some can just look at a picture and understand so i think that's a really good good point when you share your work online or you get um, people that you know give you feedback like what I guess like what have been some of your favorite like conversations that have come out of people connecting with your art in regards to like ocean conservation or awareness or anything like that if I don't know if you have any little stories that stick stand out to you or anything um you know I've had a lot of different conversations that I've been very like grateful and happy to have but I think what stands out to me the most is just like the amounts of like, I don't know how to like, how many people have connected with my artwork, I guess. Just like, I, cause I never expected to gain a following or anything. Like I just wanted to draw stuff and then share it. And then I don't know if anyone was gonna see it or not, but <laughs> you know, like just having like so many people out there look like knowing that people are seeing my arts is just something I'm very grateful for I guess I I remember when I first started in the community like whatever back in 2018 and I really started to get involved with it I was like oh oh my gosh Tracy she's like a celebrity and then I found (laughs) out that like I found out like you went on like the uh like some of the Pacific offshore trips or whatever and I was like oh my gosh like that's Tracy I remember this so funny (laughs) but it's it's just because your art is so visually stunning and I think it connects a lot of people with our oceans and you know I'm sure you sell uh images and stickers and stuff in the middle of the country to people that have never seen you know killer whales or humpback whales so I think that aspect in in itself is something to be really proud of and, and something that you should you know continue to do I think it's really important yeah for sure yeah, I'm really grateful to just share like how amazing these animals are with people all over the world. Yeah, I think we all, I think we're all in that same boat. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely enjoy watching your like videos and stuff on Instagram when you're, when you're doing your artwork. And um, I've been a fan of your stuff for a long time, even though we've never, we haven't met until today. <laughs> so I'm um, super excited that you were able to come on the podcast with us. That's- this is really awesome. We also do a lot of talking about science and things that we see on the water, but we don't always have opportunity to talk to people that are artists. And I feel like it's great to have you in there to help balance um, a lot of 
what we're trying to do. Cause we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to get people passionate about the oceans and maybe feel inspired to little, learn a little bit more about them. And, um, there's more than one way to achieve those goals and you're a great example of how to do it through art. So I really appreciate you being on with us today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> I, have, I have one more question. I know you've been on the water. I know you've worked on with whale watch companies and I know you've traveled to go whale watching. Do you have a favorite encounter on the water this far? Oh my I know, God. I know what she's going to say. I feel like I know too, but go ahead. What? How do you guys all know? I don't know. I feel lucky to have like really, really amazing things happen a couple of times. Um, I think maybe the one, the number one, is when we had an epic humpback whale mugging, and it oh, happened. Adam was there. No, I wasn't there. Uh, it was, it was uh, but I just remember I knew that you were there, Tracy, and it was like, like I've had some epic muggings, but that one was like on a whole other level. Oh yeah, yeah. So we were on like a little zodiac, like way out where nobody else was, and these humpback whales came up to our boat and just like hung out with the stop boat for over an hour like just looking at us and rolling around and it was just it was crazy but like a dream like it wasn't real life it, it's it's always cool because like like I've had a, a lot of muggings in the water but there's something so special about that mugging in like glassy conditions clear blue water you can see the whale's eye staring at you like that's just a completely different perspective and and those days are really rare to get those kind of conditions you know and and, and then to have that happen on top of it is super super rare so yeah. well and i feel like being in the raft too is like the whale yeah, is on a small one, obviously right bigger there. than the boat <laughs> yeah it's crazy like because if the whale wanted to you could just flip us over but they're so like gentle and articulate and like you can tell that there's like something going on in their mind when they're like their eyeballs moving around looking at us and then again, a rib when you're a foot off the water, I'm sure that's completely different than, you know, being on the condor where you're like eight feet in the air, you know, it's oh just that gosh, little difference yeah. is like so special, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing being that close to them. Super cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Um, and then the website one more time is, is it tracymagumiart.com? Is that how they can find your website? And then the same Instagram handle, Tracy Magumi Art on Instagram, if they want to follow along with your work. Um, and then for everybody that's following along with Whale Nerds, um, thank you for, for sticking with us. What is our Whale of the Week, Slater and Adam? Oh, I think it's... Let's, I think let, it's let's let, yeah, let's let her pick it. Ooh, okay. You can pick the whale of the secret whale of the week, Tracy. Or dolphin, or or dolphin, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like your favorite or least favorite or random as heck. Um, (laughs) I mean, I try not to have favorites, but I think the one that's popping into my mind right now is Casper, the white. All right, there you go. Okay, he's been around in Monterey a lot this week for like forty days. I'm pretty sure for like I'm gonna just say the lower number, but I'm pretty sure like thirty days in a row he's been seen in front of Monterey, in front of the harbor. Yeah. I've still so, never seen him. Casper the Rizzo Dolphin. Rizzo's Dolphin. Secret Whale of the Week this week. <laughs> All right. And then uh, if you don't follow us yet for Whale Nerds, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Whale Nerds. We also have a website now, thewhalenerds.com. 
And thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We just got a new one a few days ago. So thank you for your support. Um, that's what help make, helps make this podcast possible. And uh, if you are listening somewhere to the podcast and you're not subscribed, or if you haven't given the podcast a rating, we would super duper appreciate that. So yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks again, Tracy, for being here. Appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much for having me. All right. right. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.